You got it. All right, so we're going to be talking about love today. It's the fourth Advent candle. Uh, love, the central concept of the Christian faith. It is the heart of what we believe and what we do. It frames all that we are. It has to be the glue that unites us. So many things we can disagree about. So many things we're unsure of. Biblical scholars don't agree. Christian denominations don't agree. But I feel like in this, we've got to have some kind of agreeing of the mind, some kind of a uniting of our hearts around love. And in this case, I'm not talking about love in a romantic sense, and I'm not talking about love in a friendship sense. I'm talking about love like kenosis, self-giving, self-pouring uh, right, love, love to the other. It's like the, it's the moral call, the moral heart of the Christian faith. Uh, to love in a way that lays down one's life for one's friends is what Jesus says, right? That's the greatest form of love, agape love, love in action. And so last Sunday, I wanted to put us into the mind of Mary. Because to me, um, it's remarkable, right, that uh, she would be thrust into such a horrible, unfair, uncomfortable situation, that uh, the more, the older I get and the more I read it, the more uncomfortable I become with what Mary is given, her situation. And that can be framed like uh, bitterness, and she had every right to be bitter, and fear, and frustration. And I, I can only imagine, and in my mind, she felt all of that, that she was really upset and really scared and shed a lot of tears and at some point, and again, I picture her like caressing her stomach and feeling Jesus move and finding a way to reframe this like, this baby needs me. Like, uh, like this divine disruption gives me an opportunity to transcend my limits, to love something beyond what I thought capable and I, I picture her then singing the Magnificat, right? Like just this outpouring of, of love. But it requires reframing this situation, right? So today I want to look at Joseph, and I want to talk about reframing some more, and I want you to think about what it might look like to reframe the events of your life. Joseph's not put in a great situation either, right? So he finds out that his fiance is pregnant, and they have not been together. So I, you can only imagine his first thought is, my fiance's cheated on me, so what are we going to do? Uh, I don't want to raise someone else's baby so I can just call her out and get her killed or at least ostracized, or we can break it off silently and she can figure it out on her own, which that would be real tough as a single mom in the ancient world. But Joseph's got no technical obligation here. His life doesn't have to be totally upended. He could take off. I'm sure he's thinking about it, right? That's his first thought. At least we get a little bit of humanness to Joseph. I know. I'll just break off the engagement silently. I don't want to embarrass her or shame her. Okay. Then he has a dream, and it's like, no, it's God's baby or whatever. And Joseph's like, okay, that's weird. I've had lots of dreams. I, I haven't had a dream like that. I haven't had a dream that's like, you know, well, okay. Something happens to Joseph, though. Something happens between what? You're pregnant to, okay, 
we're together, I'm, we're sticking this out together, something happens to Joseph where he's able to frame the situation from horrible, uh, unfair, how could you do this, Mary, to this is something that is God's. This is, some, this is a divine disruption. The worst news of my life, when we look back on it, becomes the most significant moment of his life. Some of you have lived that. The worst moments of your life as you look back have become the most significant moments of your life, the most transformative moments, right? And this happens to Joseph. Now, I have a caveat. Growing up, I was led to believe that if I was a good Christian, it meant that that reframing should happen in real time. I was not supposed to be upset or sad or angry because everything was God's plan. So the moment something bad happened and I was very hurt, upset, or angry, I was supposed to immediately reframe it as like, well, I mean, it's all part of God's plan. I'm going to put a smile on my face and pretend like I don't have any feelings and I'm not really upset and I don't want to take up space in the room and I'm not really angry, but that's not healthy. That's not real and I'm not asking that of you. I think anyone that asks that of you is, is being unfair to you. So here's what I'm saying. I want you to feel all of the stuff. I think Mary should be upset and angry and scared and cry. And, and by doing that, by being present to her body, her feelings, her anger, that's what allows her to be present to joy when it breaks in. If she is pretending that she's not upset and she leaves her mind and her body behind because I've got to put on a smile and be like, well, this is just God then she can't actually be present for when real, actual joy and love break in, right? So I'm suggesting that Joseph, that Mary, that all of you should feel all of the things. You should be angry when people betray you. You should be frustrated and scared when it's appropriate, and you have to allow yourself to go through it. What I am saying, though, is at some point, at some point, as you begin to heal, can you put a different frame around your experience? Can you see it from a different angle? Can you look at it from a different perspective that will allow you to see the ways in which God has been at work? That will allow you to see how this can help you grow. That this divine disruption can, can beckon you to be more than you thought possible. We okay with that? So I'm not asking you to reframe it in the middle. I'm asking you to reframe it down the road. Okay, so I've got some fun slides about reframing. Oh, thank you, TJ. So go back, right? So one, you, one way to frame the tree, will you go back one, right? You, you can frame it with nothing, but hey, it still had a few leaves, right? Like, if you just had those pictures, it's very different depending on what you focus on, right? Like your life looks a lot different depending on what you focus on, what you have versus what you don't have, right? I'm guessing that, Shelly's daughter, I'm not asking her not to be disappointed. Things are happening in real time. That's going to be real. But I also think it's possible to dwell on it or to reframe it in terms of, like you said, what's really the most important? Love, family, laughter. This is going to be a funny story five years from now, right? <laughs> but for now, I wouldn't, right? She needs to feel all the stuff. That's real, right? Or how you frame... Uh, the clouds, right? I, I can create a frame around the gray because that's real in my life or I can put a frame around the blue sky. 
Go to the next one, TJ. So I'm going to give some examples, right? I had an argument with Kaya. This is literally elementary school, and yet adults are terrible at it. That's why I'm getting, it's like, here's some fun curriculum from fourth grade. That's the situation. I had an argument with Kaya. Negative, unhelpful thought. I have no friends. Everyone helps, hates me. I felt that. I'm guessing you felt that, right? Evidence. <laughs> My kids would testify. Kel always says that. What evidence do you have for that? And we're always like, mom, ooh, or whatever, right? But we, I just want to know. Because uh, all the evidence suggests you're pretty successful. People like you, but, right? Evidence against this. Sam and Sierra were nice to me and asked me to play with them. So apparently not everybody hates me, right? I just reframed it. It's good to have more than one friend to support you like I do. So you go from feeling one way, which feels real. Like, I, like I'm a leper. No one likes me. This person, to like looking around to saying, but that's not all the evidence. That's not wholly true, right? Go to the next one. Your thoughts matter. Instead of, I'm a mess, you reframe it and you say, I'm human. One of my favorite things that we say now, I say it all the time to my students, man, it's hard to be human. It's really hard to be human. So this should be a struggle. It shouldn't just be easy. Of course we're going to mess up. Of course, right? I'm a mess. No, I'm just human. I can't do this. We're going to reframe it and say, I can do hard things. I'm a failure? No, we're going to reframe it and say, I'm learning. Of course I'm going to fail and mess up because I'm learning and I'm growing. Why is this happening? Reframe it to what is this teaching me? Why is this happening? Let's reframe it. What is this teaching me? How is this asking me, beckoning me, calling me to grow? I'm going to reiterate so that you don't forget I'm not suggesting you can do this in the moment when sadness, anger, grief strikes. You have to let yourself feel it. I'm suggesting that over time, though, you can reframe. Do I have one more? I do, baby. I'm so tired. It's one of my least favorite phrases. I'm so tired. Let's reframe it. I need to schedule in some rest. Like, what am I going to do about this? How am I going to help myself not be so tired? I don't think I can get through this. Reframe. I need to ask for help. Ooh, that one sticks with Joe Bankard. I don't like that. I don't think I can get through this. I like that. Martyrdom is one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> but the moment I begin to feel like that, why don't you ask for help? Why don't you have someone else take something off your plate? Why don't you have, right? Because I have about, how many people are in the room right now, would you guess? I don't know, 50? I bet you I have 60 people that would say, I'll help. So many people would say, I'll help. I'm so angry and disappointed. Got it, right? I can experience my anger, and it's momentary. It won't last forever. I can experience it, and it will, it will go. When will this end? Gets reframed as all tough times end. Right? All tough times end. There's so much power in taking a situation and framing it just a little bit differently. And I see this throughout the Advent story in the people of Mary and Joseph who are put in such a difficult situation. And it doesn't stop with just Mary being pregnant and Joseph having to deal with that. Then, because of Herod, they have to flee. They have to uproot. 
in the ancient world to uproot means I'm leaving my hometown, my family, everyone that knows me. I'm going to go where I'm a stranger in Egypt, a foreign land where, you know, my people used to be slaves. We're going to go there because it's better than Israel, better than Bethlehem, better than where we're at now because of Herod. The hits just keep on coming. And somehow in the midst of this, Mary and Joseph can reframe this as something that God has asked, something that love demands, and they're able to transcend, to grow, to go well beyond what they thought they were capable of. And I believe this is true for each one of us. That love, right, practiced is love that grows, and love that grows is a love that overcomes. I want to reframe, I want to take this idea of reframing, and I want to think for a minute about the whole story of like God becoming a child. So what gets emphasized often in my life was Jesus' death. It's the cross that takes center stage. It's the cross that becomes the linchpin for our faith. And I'm just going to suggest to you that for me, it's not. It's Christmas. It's the birth. It's not the death. So I'll try to explain. To me, the miracle is that God watches human beings suffer, lost and broken, and says, I know a solution. I'll become a little baby, fragile, vulnerable, dependent, and I'm going to trust these crazy humans, these weird, fallible, finite humans to take care of me. I'm going to demand that they learn how to love, to care, to, to transcend what they thought they were capable of in terms of love. And then God does it. Do you know what a risk that is? To become finite, mortal, to experience pain and rejection? This is what God does. This is what love looks like. Love looks like a risk. Every time you love, you risk. Every time you open your heart to someone, you risk. They can hurt. They can deny. They can betray. It's really, really hard to love. It's really hard to love well. And God does it. That's the miracle. And I'm, I'm going to go further. I don't believe, I honestly do not believe that God is like, I'm going to become a human being. I'm going to take on flesh and bone so that I can die. I don't believe that. I believe that God really wanted, I believe that God really hoped that those around Jesus would follow. I really believe God was like, I'm going to become a human and my hope, my desperate wish is that humanity will hear, will see, and will follow. And then it didn't happen. God risked and then God's heart got broken by a crowd chanting crucify him, by friends abandoning him at the foot of the cross. Do you recognize that God takes the same risk we have to take if we're going to love anything, anyone, Get involved in any issue at all. God takes the same risk and it didn't work. He got hurt really bad. They publicly killed Jesus. Can you think of a risk gone more awry than that? Like, please love me. Please take care of me. Please listen to what I have to say. No, we won't. But that doesn't get the end of the story, right? Like, like the cross doesn't get the last word. Somehow, even in the midst 
of violence and betrayal. Jesus has this choice, right? And it's like, well, I can call down a legion of angels to protect me so nothing will happen to me, so that I'm insulated and protected from pain. Or I can take this long, lonely road to the cross and risk once more. And Jesus risks again, trusts God again, loves one more time, and he continues to love, and we're still talking about this crazy act thousands of years later, right? Okay. So what are you willing to risk for love? Because it's really hard. It's hard to care about someone and have them say, I don't care about you back. That's hard. So you can harden up. You can say, that's it. I tried. Or you can feel all the feelings and let yourself heal and reframe it and say, I'm going to love again. We, we can say, hey, let's open up our property. We'll have people move into these houses. We hope it goes well. We don't know. It's a risk. Maybe it's going amazingly. It's, it's been beautiful. It's crazy. That required risk. That required us saying, we can, we can get hurt. Things can go south. We want to welcome interfaith. That's a risk. We could get hurt. Things could go wrong. They probably will. And when they do, we're going to heal, and then we're going to risk again. And we're going to love again. And we're going to move towards that again, over and over and over again. There, it, what is the alternative? What is the alternative to love, to reconciliation, to risking a broken heart, isolation, being walled off, being half alive? No, thank you. Jesus shows us what it means to be fully alive. And that's how I want you to think about love this holiday season. I want you to think about it like it's unsafe and it's unreasonable and I shouldn't have to do that. Yep just like Mary and just like Joseph. And love's going to say, and I want you to do it anyway. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful that you don't ask us to do anything you haven't already done. That you risked by becoming a human being, and in fact, that risk was rejected by so many. And for the sake of love, you kept risking. And so, Lord, give us that courage. Give us the strength to love the way you love. Give us the strength to reframe our lives, our relationships, our hurt, our difficulties, the way Mary and Joseph reframed theirs. Amen. If you have your communion elements, you can get